Welcome back, everybody. It is the Mouth and Off Sports Show here, presented by WBIM 91.5 FM, and it is a special Thanksgiving uh, break special show here. We got a full studio. We already got Ryan on the phone waiting to get all of his terrible takes in, and we got Zach Lacey next to me, Nick Brown, and Jonathan Sullivan. How are we doing, boys? It's great to be back. Love it. Uh, it's an honor to be here today with you guys. Nick, first time in studio in a while. Feels great. Jonathan? Doing well, per usual. And Ryan, how are we doing? Doing, doing pretty good. All right. Second week calling in. Uh, we uh, respect the uh, dedication to the show. Uh, we love to see it. I can't wait to fade your mortal lock uh, <laughs> later on. I'm 2-0, and by the way. Oh, yeah. Fading Ryan's uh, random number-generated mortal locks. We oh, love to we, see it. We got a doozy today. Oh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. But first, we have to get to the Patriots yet again winning a gritty game in tough conditions, this time against the Dallas Cowboys at home. Uh, I mean, what a just grind of a game in just terrible conditions overall at Gillette. Uh, the win in the rain, somehow still able to come out with the win. Uh, Dorsett wasn't in the game. He was inactive. Muhammad Sanu inactive. Brady had to rely on guys like Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers. Edelman had another big day. And uh, Nikhil Harry getting the lone touchdown in the game, back shoulder pass uh, by the left pylon from Brady. Great great throw, great catch by Harry in those uh, wet conditions especially. So uh, just initial thoughts and uh, takeaways from that game, guys. You know, defense was awesome again uh, to hold the Cowboys to nine points. I know the weather wasn't great, but to hold the Cowboys, one of the best offenses in football, to nine points. Mari Cooper doesn't catch a ball. Unbelievable. Um, all in on this defense again. And, uh, yeah, and see Harry finally get out there and get some get a finally. meaningful touch. Uh, only one catch, but awesome TD in the end zone. Hopefully he turns into that red zone threat that we've been looking for uh, ever since Gronk left. Uh, outside of that, you know, Marshall Newhouse back. Or, sorry, Marshall Newhouse gone. <laughs> and Isaiah Wynn back, looking back. good there and holding his own. Uh, I mean, anybody was going to be better than Newhouse. So, true. It was a big uptick there. Sonny Michelle, 20 carries for 85 yards. Love to see that. Only thing I say disappointing is, uh, you know, Nick Folk. Two of four field goals. Loses perfect streak. <laughs> I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they bring somebody in this week, try to work him out. It, you know, his first real test, like, outside of 40 yards, and he misses. I know it's in the rain, but still, you got to hit those. Yeah, I don't blame him too much for those kicks. I mean, it was tough. Yeah, they weren't really close either, but I don't know. I, I mean, for him to at least hit two of them, I'll take that. And in those conditions... I don't expect really anybody that they bring in to be able to hit those kind of kicks. But again, conditions like that, I mean, you're going to have to figure it out somehow because uh, you can't just rely on playing four down football no matter what and not being able to at least go to your kicker in some spots because, especially at Gillette, if the road to the Super Bowl is right. going through Foxborough, you're <laughs> January, come on, you're not, you're going to be lucky if you don't get another game kind of like that. And it could be in snow, for all we know, uh, going forward. But, yeah, initial takeaway from me, again, is at least the young guys getting involved a bit. Uh, Nikhil Harry, uh, there was one drop he should have had. It was a comeback route. Great throw from Brady. But, again, in those conditions, uh, I just think they really played uh, to their level. And what I mean by that is, 
you know, they didn't do anything ridiculous. Uh, Jacoby Myers, I think, had four or five drops. Uh, he was targeted like nine times, only had four catches. Um, but I just think Brady, at least going to them, especially Harry in the red zone, I think that's telling. And, uh, the glowing reviews he was giving for Harry and uh, Myers after the game, we haven't seen that much from Brady. Uh, his tone has been pretty pretty down, pretty negative uh, in general towards those guys. Not in like a mean way, just a matter of fact, like Nikhil Harry missing all that time. So I just I like the confidence that's being built. The foundation is being built there. Yeah, I like what you said, Dan. Gritty win. That's definitely what I call it. Defense, obviously, really good. I was also impressed with Jacoby Myers more than Nikhil Harry. Nikhil yeah. Harry only had one catch, four targets. But Myers had that catch um, run across the middle. He broke a tackle. He broke another tackle, had a big gain. That was encouraging. The only bad thing about it was he had that uh, route down the seam where he got popped, but he, he should have caught it. He, he saw the safety, you know, took his eyes off the ball, took the hit and dropped it. But that's something that I think comes with time, comes with feel in the NFL. You know, you don't take hits all that often like that in college, so he's probably a little nervous, you know, hearing footsteps, something like that. But I think that will come with time. It's good to see him, you know, having a little bit better grasp of the offense. Good to see Brady going to him and getting some success. Nikhil Harry, to a lesser extent, obviously, he had the touchdown. But that drop was pretty bad. Uh, mm-hmm. But it will be interesting because you got to remember this was only his second game uh, in his NFL career. And it wasn't like, you know, the Cowboys were also wide receivers were having any success. I know that has a lot to do with the Patriots' defense. But it's not like everyone was catching balls out there. I mean, everyone was having trouble catching the ball. Yeah, yeah I mean... Um I, would, I agree. I think we have to take everything that we saw with a, at least a little grain of salt because of the conditions. Uh, but I think this game was a big example of what Tom Brady has been saying for the past few weeks, and that's that the uh, the main strength of this team is their defense and special teams. Yeah. And uh, hopefully he's trying to just light a fire in the offense and hopefully get them going down the stretch because uh, that's something they need to figure out going forward. Also, yeah, yeah. yeah. Real quick, uh, just to uh, piggyback on my take just with Brady having more confidence in the young guys uh, this season his passer rating when targeting uh, first year players is 104.8 so it's a lot better than just what it seemed like on the surface uh, at least from the eye uh, test but that's a pretty solid rating targeting first year guys and again like before this past game I think Myers was almost like pretty high uh, completion percentage with targets from Brady I don't think he's really dropped much before last week and, yeah, he hasn't been used a whole ton, but that's going to change going forward, especially if anything lingers with Dorsett and Sanu. Right. I mean, as Pats fans, we kind of take what Brady says is gospel, and when he's not really happy with the offense and he's not talking highly of the first-year guys, mm-hmm. you may not think that they're doing as much or they're involved as much, but Brady's getting them involved in, uh, like Nick said, the special teams, strength of the team, and, you know, our guy Matthew Slater blocks a punt and uh, leads to the Pats only touchdown. So, and that, That's one of the things they mentioned on the broadcast is that the Patriots have been set up uh, with great field position so many times because of their defense and special teams and that's kind of attributed to some of their su- success offensively so where they don't have to go the full length of the field to put points on the board. Right, and you got a weapon like Jake Bailey back there uh, putting the defense in good spots too and holding opponents inside the 20-yard line a bunch. I mean, he didn't have as great of a week this week, but still Six punts, two inside the 20. I mean, that's about as good as you can do. 
Yeah, and I, I just want to go back quick to Dan's point about him targeting the young wide receivers and having a 104-point rating. That's really encouraging going forward because, as Dan mentioned, you know, you were without Sanu, you were without Dorsett, and you were also, you basically, you had a goose egg from Ben Watson on the stat sheet, and you had one catch for negative six yards for James White, who's arguably probably behind Edelman and Brady, the most important piece here often. So that's three or four, you know, real contributors that you really got nothing from in that game, two of them being out, two of them being non-existent on the field. So I don't think you can expect that coming going forward. You have to expect the, you know, the mean to come more to the surface. So it's good seeing them getting those young guys involved because once those other four get back in the offense, if you have those young guys in addition, then you might really have something. So it's good to see that, you know, hopefully coming to fruition over the next month before the playoffs. Yeah, and I think it's especially going forward uh, when the Pats play, say, the Texans uh, next week, uh, the type of game and performance that Stephon Gilmore had against Amari Cooper, Zach, you mentioned it, zero catches, and he still, after the game, was not <laughs> completely satisfied with himself. I mean, ridiculous. I, uh, it's very encouraging when they have a, just a crazy good defense, but also the secondary is so talented, and uh, the depth of it, too, with Jonathan Jones, J.C. Jackson, but Stephon Gilmore, uh, since joining the Pats uh, against DeAndre Hopkins, uh, six completions, nine targets, 85 yards, no touchdowns, one pass breakup, one pick, and one pass interference penalty. Good for a 57.4 rating um, for the quarterback against so Watson. That just Gilmore against the top guys, unreal. Guys like Cooper and Hopkins, those guys always get theirs. And for in this type of league, this era, passing league, I'll say it all, you know, till I'm blue in the face. To be able to hold guys to that kind of uh, those kind of stats is ridiculous, and it just goes to show how talented he is as just a lockdown uh, back. Yeah, I mean, if if you have a three-week-old baby, they've never seen Stephon Gilmore let up a pass. <laughs> they've never seen him let up a completed pass. Saber Shout metrics. out those, Saber metrics. Shout out those three-week-old babies. <laughs> Shout out those three-week-old babies. <laughs> <laughs> but two weeks in a row not allowing the catch is awesome. And a reporter asked him after the game if he thought he it was possible yeah. that he could shut out Cooper like he did today and he said yeah and they're like why and he's like because I have confidence in myself that's awesome that's everything I want to see in a defensive player it's everything I want to see uh, in the Patriot way and damn I love this defense it's it's great yeah Nick yeah I was just going to say uh, um, not to jump ahead but next week Watson's going to struggle man if he doesn't use his so feet too. if he doesn't try and get out of the pocket and run he's, he's going to have a really tough time with this, with this Patriots defense yeah, that's totally fair to say. I, And plus, like, the Texans, too, historically, even with Watson there, whether it's the playoffs or the regular season, the Pats never have real issues with them. Like, it's usually, uh, at least in the past few years, um, they don't get too shaken up by the Texans. I think two years ago, um, I think it was early in the season, they dropped to them. But besides that yeah, they they almost lost almost they, they, i think you're thinking of the brandon cooks touchdown in the corner with like yeah. 20 seconds left yep that that game they almost lost it yeah Texas. okay yep yeah that was like that was literally brandon cooks like best most grittiest catch as a patriot yeah it like, would have been uh september uh, 2017 yeah um so literally they don't have too many issues with the texans and ultimately i think this defense is kind of back on track and that game against the Ravens, it's really just the Ravens, I think, that are going to do that to the Patriots. Right after that Ravens game when we had our show, 
I said something along the lines of, like, I do not see this Pats defense giving up, you know, 30-plus again the way they did against the Ravens. Still, that could obviously happen. But this week, again, I think that will still hold true because they're just on a roll. And unless it's Baltimore, unless it's Lamar Jackson, who's able, just special, obviously, blowing out, again, the Rams just week after week with that team. It's ridiculous. But I think this Pats D is special enough to pretty much do what they do on a week-to-week basis against anybody but Baltimore. Oh, yeah. And to speak to the defensive point, just so impressive. Dallas, I believe, was the number one offense coming in to the game. And, yes, the weather obviously paid, uh, played a uh, important role in the low-scoring part portion of the game. But still, to not give up a touchdown, I mean, that's impressive. They're, I think they'll give up the touchdown this week, obviously, to the Texans at least once. But still, holding the number one offense to no touchdowns, albeit I don't care what the weather is, is still impressive in my mind. Zeke didn't hurt them too much either, which was surprising. They yeah. had 21 for 86. I mean, it's still like that's yeah. If Sony did that, I'd be you know I'd be throwing a parade. I mean, but he did do that. He did. Well, no, no, no. I mean, I mean like on <laughs> a week to week. Twenty for eighty five. Yeah, I mean on a week to week basis. Like if Sony's able was able to do that on a week to week basis, great. It is encouraging though with Isaiah Win there uh, that they were able to run the ball effectively, and I think it's telling too because Belichick said after the game as well uh, when uh, Michelle's good game was mentioned, he said Sony's been playing good all year. And I think what he means by that is it's just he's been running hard. It's not really his fault. Uh, the issues that they've had in the running game, I think Bill made it pretty clear there. Uh, it, he has faith in Sony Michelle. I've been hammering for Damian Harris for weeks and weeks, but if Sony Michelle is doing this, I'm totally fine with that. Zach, I know you want him to get involved in the passing game a lot. Hopefully that can happen more in the coming weeks, but... At least, at the very least, he gets a good game under his belt because I think he desperately needed that. I think the only uh, the only problem with that kind of hope is as long as you have Rex Burkhead and James White, you're probably not going to see much of Michelle in the passing game. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's always the concern. It's just I, even if he's not getting targets, I, wa- I just want him to be out there running routes too because you can't just have him in there every time right. we're going to do a running play and then they just key in on that and there's nothing else you can do. They shouldn't bring eight in the box and they know Sony's running the ball. So you just need the diversity of him being at least a tiny bit of a threat. So it's at least thinking about him. Right. So they're not just bringing all these linebackers in and they can play eight in the box and just bog you up. They at least have to play the outside wide receivers and that comes with guys like Harry and all these guys on the outside being threats too. And when Michelle is running hard and getting four or five yards a carry per attempt that opens up your play action, even if he's not, yeah. you know, going out and running routes. When when Michelle's running the ball for one yard, then you don't have you don't have the threat of the play action because you don't have to load the box and he's still only going to get one yard if they're breaking through the offensive line every time. But if Michelle's doing five, six yards a carry, then you got to load the box when you think and run, and that really will open up you know spaces for Edelman. They killed him with Gronk, you know, in the past couple of years. You don't have him anymore, but. This is where someone like Harry working a one-on-one coverage, right, with his big body, that's where you open up a lot of stuff, hopefully, going forward. Yeah, I mean, the biggest play of the game you had, uh, Isaiah Wynn and Ben Watson double-teaming on the outside to for run and get a first down and ice the game. I mean, that was huge. And uh, it's great to have Wynn back. I mean, he looked good. And You if, saw a lot of runs to the left side, too, which yes. was... Right, the right first run him. of the game, I think, was the left side for yeah. five or six yards, and that was that said to me, I was like, "Yep, 
this this is how they're going to run. They're going to be running to the left side because they think when wins their best bet to get yardage. Yeah, and I think it showed that Sony had more confidence in the offensive line too because he wasn't doing the sit back and dancing. He was picking the hole and and just going straight through it, uh, which was our a lot of our grief past couple weeks is that he was trying to do the Le'Veon Bell dance in the backfield. Well, you're not fast enough to do that. So he was picking his holes and win and the rest of the line was pick, uh, giving him some running lanes. How do we feel about the Cowboys kicking a field goal <laughs> down one score on the Patriots, I believe, 11? Literally, just no no fight there. I mean, I don't know what was going through Jason Garrett's head. Oh, we get a field goal here and we're only down by four. I mean, what are you doing? You need a touchdown no matter what. It's late in the game. You know you're probably not get you're not going to get the ball back most likely um, if the Patriots are able to get a few first downs and run the ball effectively like they had been in the game. Like, what are you doing? I just head scratcher there. It just kind of goes to show why over the past decade they have like one or two playoff wins total. They're never going to really be that successful under Jason Garrett. I don't know how long it's going to take for Jerry Jones to realize that. He kind of sounded in his postgame um, interviews, he sounded pretty somber about it. Uh, seemed kind of jealous that the Patriots actually have effective coaching. Jonathan? Uh, can I say something? Does yeah. uh, Ryan want to say anything? Oh. I kind of forgot about him. Uh, Ryan, you there, Do you have any thoughts on the Pats? Yeah, thank Jonathan. Thank you so much for doing the host. <laughs> yeah, Ryan just I got really added back to the chat in real life. <laughs> I just realized we ran uh, on for I'll like 20 minutes. Short and sweet. Uh, I really didn't learn anything from the game against the Cowboys this week. The weather kind of ruined it. It just became the game just got bogged down and couldn't get neither team could get anything going offensively. The running was okay for both sides, but I really didn't learn anything. Like the offense was mediocre again, the defense was spectacular again, and the kicking was mediocre again. So. I, Aside from a few things where we learned Nick Folk is a 50-50 to hit outside of 40 yards, I, I really didn't learn much in the game, to be honest. I, I, I don't want to hear too much of this slander against my boy Nick Folk, <laughs> okay? The conditions were so bad. They were so bad. Oh, I, I'll give him that. I'll give him that. I, I think at the same time, speak, speak truth, I, Nick. Like, I mean, two for four in, in conditions like that, I'll, like, I'll give him I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because of how bad it was. I, I think he would have at least hit one of those two, uh, given that he was so hot beforehand. Well, I mean, so hot beforehand, he hadn't hit a kick longer than 33 yards. But, um, I mean, the, the, it's most likely going to come through New England, the playoffs. So the conditions aren't going to get much better. No. The dude's going to have to learn to kick in these conditions. Well, I think it's a good exactly. experience for him then. I mean, because I don't—he's a veteran. He's been around well, for a long time. He's veteran, but he hasn't. When was the last time he? When was the last team he played on before this? Uh, XFL team, I believe, or the Jets? Some Canadian team? It's all the way back in the Jets. I mean, that's it's been not good weather. Ten years weather. since he. <laughs> it, okay, maybe it just feels longer to me than it actual what actually was, but still, I trust in him. He's my boy. I'm riding with. I him. don't trust him. I I hope he does well. Do I have complete trust? No, did I have complete trust in Goskowski? No, but I have way more than Goskowski than I do in Folk. I have way more in Folk than I did in Nugent, which I guess is the silver lining in this. Right? I, I, I'd yeah, rather yes. have him, I guess. That's like, true. I mean, Nugent was hitting line drive for yeah. extra points and couldn't even get it up over the bar. Gross. So, I yeah. agree. I mean, maybe they should have uh, held on to Young Ho Kim. <laughs> I mean, I agree. Stud. He's, Stud. 
he's been great. He was four for four in his first. Yeah. Uh, three for four in his second game, and he was perfect in his last game. I mean, the guy's a guy's a beast. The guy's a god. The guy's a beast. Young Ho Kim, uh, and he was just sitting on their practice squad, literally. And now the Bucks, Falcons, Falcons. My bad. They, they played the Bucks. Falcons got a, a legit guy, and the Pats uh, bringing out these old grandpas like me. I mean, you, you might as well have me out there kicking these field goals. Uh, I don't you know want to try out? See that. Should, no. we, should we take you no. in the field and try out? <laughs> no. I, I could maybe hit it from the goal line. Maybe. I could hit an extra point. So today. is that like a seven-yard kick? <laughs> the old Ten extra yard. point. Yeah. No, no. I could, I could hit an actual extra point. 33? Yeah. I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I can. Yeah, I, we I, did, I did it the can. other day, actually. I'll, all right, yeah, four four. We will. We will. We will. <laughs> How many tries do you get? I'll hit two out of four. That's a four four. All right, deal on the board. Uh, on the board. We'll see it on. We'll, we'll do this live. On Friday. We'll put this live. Put this live on the mouth and off. We can totally Twitter. go live on Twitch or Periscope and do that. That would be awesome. One hundred percent. That'd be amazing. You can pick your holder, so you don't have any complaints. I all got right. you. All right, beautiful. So that just happened. Um, <laughs> I got. I love this show. <laughs> that literally just happened. Uh, like clockwork. Yeah, you love a four for four uh, bet on radio, but yeah, ultimately going forward against like the Texans, the Chiefs, I think, yeah, I think they'll probably do more damage than what the Cowboys were able to do, especially if the you know, albeit the conditions aren't terrible. But I don't, again, I, I don't really see this defense getting exploded on like the Ravens did uh, a few weeks back. I just don't, I don't see it happening at least until the playoffs obviously things may change there especially if they have to go up against the Ravens and I just think it's really significant what that team has become this year they are ridiculous uh blowing out teams like the Rams and anybody that really comes in their way Rams Texans whoever it is they are just undressing whoever they play and it's been like that all season long pretty much besides that one game against the Browns but Besides that one game against the Cleveland Browns early in the season, the Baltimore Ravens are the scariest team in the league, and I don't think that's even a question. No, not at all. I mean, they ran for almost 300 yards, honestly, which is... And Lamar was a cheat code last night. Yeah. He was an actual cheat code. He, he's been a cheat code this entire year. I mean, he's he's on pace for to break uh, Patrick Mahomes' fantasy points record by, like, 40. <laughs> Which is that's ridiculous. everybody thought last year was the biggest quarterback year ever for Mahomes, and Jackson's gonna break it with like a he could like not play week seventeen and probably still break it. I mean yeah. that has a lot more to do with his legs than it does with his arm. Right, but still true. He's he's on pace to break Mike Vick's rushing record. He still yeah. threw for five TDs right. last week. He, he's been surgical passing ball. Yeah, I mean he's ninth in the league in rushing. Right, like before you get to his arm, he's the top a top ten running back. And then over the last four weeks, he's completed over 76% of his passes. I mean, he threw for under 200 last, this week, but he threw five TDs. This, this guy has been otherworldly. It, it's to the point where if, some, uh, if the Patriots meet him in the playoffs, I hope he gets, like, a little sick, you know? <laughs> Just a little sick. A little sick. Just so like a, uh, a little sneeze, a little cough? Yeah, a little sneeze, a little cough, a little congestion, maybe the flu. I don't know. You Is that know. a threat? It's no, it's not a threat. It's just you know. It certainly see. sounds give like somebody it. the flu, flu game. I'm not giving anybody anything. I mean, it's just you know. Their their defense too has gotten better, which is scary. I mean, with Marcus Peters there now, and back to back weeks of just sh- essentially shutting out two teams that are very capable of putting up points. 
albeit Jared Goff is officially canceled. <laughs> I think that's that's Queer's day now. He's but been canceled. I know, but like he's just digging himself further and further. I think I'd take Baker over Jared Goff at the moment. I don't think it's close. Um, yeah. But yeah. Anyways, their defense getting better, better is scary because we all know John Harbaugh is not afraid of the Patriots at all whatsoever. And if their defense is, is competent against the Patriots in the playoffs, it's just going to be scary. It's going to be a nightmare. I do not want to see that team. I'll do anything it takes to not see the Baltimore Ravens in the playoffs. Jonathan? Yeah, I just want to uh, raise a brief question quick. Um, yeah, I it. think the answer to this question is yes, but watching Edelman this year, do you think he's battling some sort of injury? Because I think he is. Yeah. I think he always is. Yeah. But I think this is, like, where I think he's – it seems like every game he's having, like, you're seeing these balls and you're like, he's still playing really good. He's still putting up good numbers. But it seems like every game you're like, man, Edelman should have caught that. It's like these balls, like, you're so used to him catching. Yeah. He just, like – it seems like every game he has one or two. He had the drop in the end zone against Philly. He had another bad drop uh, coming across the middle the other day. I mean, just, I think he's battling something. Uh, I heard on the radio that they thought it was the left shoulder. I guess he can't extend his left arm or something. But uh, I don't know. Do you, yeah, guys, I mean, so you he, guys think he's battling something too, right? I agree. I mean, he had that, it was a like an over-the-shoulder type of catch over the middle, and he just, like, almost didn't get his arms up high enough to catch it, just like right. when it went off his one of his hands. Um, so I agree. I mean, he's still being productive. So He's having a great year. He's having an amazing year. So, I mean, I... This guy just grits through everything. I mean, that's, that's the person he is. So, 76 catches for 809 yards, averaging 10.6 per uh, attempt, 36 for a long four TDs. I mean, at this age, I expected a drop-off from Edelman, especially for him to be the focal point of the offense. Not that he wasn't last year, but you still had guys like Gronk out there um, and some experienced guys like Gordon and Dorsett as well but this year i just expected a drop off big time you know he's on the wrong side of 30 he's always battling something and coming off a pd uh suspension as well i just thought drop off you know you could pretty much put it on the board but no the guy's having one of the best seasons seasons of his career i mean it's crazy so hey you know i mean you take the peds and you get a little stronger take the four game suspension and then you know he's a god no big deal (laughs) we'll take it yeah, so it's just kind of surprising that he, uh, just at this age, being the number one option, always having uh, either being doubled or having the other team's number one guy on you. Yeah, I, I love what he's been able to do this year. And hopefully, again, uh, mentioned this before, hopefully Brady can lean on the younger guys a little bit more towards the end of the season, especially the last couple games that are tomato can games. I just hope... Try to give Edelman as much of a breather, as much rest down the stretch that you can so that in the playoffs he can really go full throttle uh, because, again, the talent is obviously still there. The physical ability is still there, but he's definitely battling something. Jonathan, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, but, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too worried about him going forward, but if he goes down, they're, they're definitely port. Ryan, how you feel about Edelman? Yeah, Ryan. Uh, he definitely looks like he's like 85% something like that. Um, but he's still, like you said, he's still grinding it out. He doesn't look a couple, every here and there, he, he, like you said, he misses misses one that you think, ah, he probably should have had that. But other than that, I, I don't see how you can really complain with what he's doing. Yeah, no, totally agree. I mean, you can't really complain about 
that guy at all. Comes out every week. Thank God they have him, though, still, because, again, like, you only had, like, three actual wide receivers out there on Sunday, and two of them, first-year guys. So, you, like, you need Edelman. Again, you need him. You can't afford to have him go down. Ben Watson isn't going to give you much in the passing game. He's already pretty much told you that from, you know, his production since he's been back. But, yeah, I love what Edelman's been able to do again. I just worry about the workload, whatever he's battling, if it gets worse, because uh, they cannot afford him to be sidelined. That is the absolute last thing this team needs. Their offense will go down the drain. Yes, Nick? Uh, not to totally interrupt, but uh, we have okay. a list, We have a listener who is uh, uh, questioning. He has a question of whether he wants to know when Mohamed Sanu is going to be back. If Does anybody know? Uh, so I, I know he didn't practice, but I thought he was out there at least, at the very least, on Friday. Okay. Um, as well as Dorsett. I, I don't think either of them actually practiced, but I want to say I wouldn't be surprised to see him back this week. Yeah, I didn't think it was too serious of an injury. I don't think so either. From the indications I got, I thought he was listed as day-to-day at one point last week. But regardless, yeah, they could use him. They could use anybody out there because I want the young guys to get more looks. I want Brady to build that trust, but they're going to need Sanu out there um, and Dorsett to be able to give these guys breathers because if these games are going to be close, as close as they have been, especially against like the Bills, the Eagles, the Cowboys now, you're going to need guys making plays. And I do not like having just three receivers out there. We need Dorsett back. They need Sanu back for sure. Zach, what do you got? Uh, according to Ian Rappaport, uh, Rappaport. Sanu at, would have an extremely <laughs> limited role if he was active for Sunday's game. Okay. Um, they said he made great strides throughout the week but is a high ankle sprain so mm, it's high ankles are tough yeah so yeah i remember it's like debated it was like i first heard it was high ankle two to four weeks and then our adam Schefter tweeted out like sunday morning or saturday night he was like sanu was likely out but he feels a lot better so they're gonna test it but they ended up holding him out anyway so that's they probably should have you right. gotta be cautious with that right i agree you gotta stretch. play you gotta play the long game with him so it is what it is. I still don't expect them to play again this week, probably. Um, yeah, I probably wouldn't expect that either, especially with the rookies playing uh, good last week. Probably won't. Hopefully won't need him again. Which is fine. I mean, get Nikhil Harry more looks. Um, get him as involved as you possibly can, specifically in the red zone like we saw, because he's going to be your best red zone target, bar none. Uh, nobody else. He's your biggest body. Uh probably most athletically gifted uh, wide receiver out there. So, again, get that trust. Love to see a back shoulder throw. I don't think we've seen a back shoulder throw since AB was on the freaking team. Um, So that's great to see. Uh, And I just hope maybe in better conditions uh, and against uh, a Houston team, hopefully Harry and Myers can just build on that. And especially Myers, again, think – targeted nine times had like four catches for 70 plus pretty good but hopefully he can be more consistent catching the ball right but outside of the only way he like i think the only way he gets rushed back onto the field that being sanu is if uh we end up dropping a game or two and we're like really stressing about home field yeah and you look at the the raven schedule down the stretch they got the niners at home and they have to go to Buffalo. 
and then the last three are the Jets, Browns, and Steelers. Yep. So you could see them losing a game or two, maybe maybe the San Fran one. But the way they're playing, uh, if they don't lose to San Fran, I don't I don't know if they lose another game down down the stretch, and that puts immense pressure on the Pats to also win out. So they're going to have to beat the Texans, and they're going to have to beat the Chiefs at home and win all the other cupcake games left if they want home field. Yeah, and again, I it's one thing to have to go up against Baltimore, but if they have to go to Baltimore, man, that I, I know they went to, to KC last year and they were able to win, but I do not like that one bit. Home field is, I think they should take it seriously. I think... That should be a priority. We've seen in years past, like 2015, where they dropped, like, I think it was like three of their last four, um, and the Broncos ended up getting the first seed. They had to ultimately go to Denver. They lost in Denver that year, and I think they didn't put a priority on uh, having home field advantage. This year, really hope they, they do that, kind of just keep their foot on the gas pedal, especially those last two games against, I think it's uh, uh, Miami and, I want to say, Buffalo. Uh, the last two games for the Pats, but, and again... Cincinnati. Cincinnati, that's right. Um, so those should be, you know, just easy games. You should be able to easily clean up on those teams, but still, we got Houston. We still got Kansas City. Um, I think, yeah, I think if they play the way they have, even offensively, they should be able to get by these next two weeks. But in the playoffs, no, no. Their offense has to get better. And again, it starts with those young guys, and it's starts with Sanu ultimately coming back. Who knows when that happens? But, yeah, I think just just hope and pray Julian Edelman stays healthy. That's I, I think that's key because he goes down and you are absolutely screwed, 100%. But because, again, the defense, not going not gonna to score all the points for you. And the special teams as well, you know, you're not always going to get a Matthew Slater blocked punt and then only have to run two to three plays and already be in the red zone and that's how you get your only touchdown you're not going to be able to win a lot of these games especially in the playoffs 13 to 9 uh 17 to 10 whatever you're not going to be able to Uh, i just don't think at least the offenses in the afc whether it's kc or baltimore even houston i think they can give you a lot of problems and in the playoffs i just don't want the defense to I don't want them to have to rely on the defense the way that they have been uh, this season. Yeah, I mean, that's why it's so important for the Pats to get home field. If people have to come to, to Gillette, it's much harder for these high-octane offenses to get going. And, I mean, Mahomes trying to throw 80-yard deep balls in, in the snow, probably not as uh, realistic as if he's got a nice field in KC. Um, True. So, you know, you get got to get got to wrap up home field take care of business um i think home field is more important than pretty much anything else so gotta have sanu i I wouldn't rush him back by any means because myers filled in admirably for what sanu kind of was doing he only had two catches the week before that anyways so he hasn't been as huge of a part of the offense as he was uh when he originally arrived yeah, and I'll say this about the defense, too, because we always have a wild stat. I think we've mentioned this specific one a few times, but still relevant through 11 games now after playing a few tough opponents. 
the Patriots' opponent's third-down conversion rate stat has been available since 1991. Patriots rank number one all-time uh, at 18.9%. Number two, the 98 Raiders sitting at 24.3%. So they still are a historically great defense. And again, it would be a real shame if the offense is what uh, is sort of the Achilles heel to this team this year. Like if they don't end up winning a Super Bowl with this defense because the offense just ultimately didn't have enough weapons or they couldn't figure it out with the offensive line on a consistent basis, then that would be a real shame because this defense is as good as I've ever seen um, in the Bill Belichick era. I just, it would, it would be a real shame again for this season to go down the drain because of this offense and ultimately what happened with the offensive line, David Andrews, the wide receiving core, uh, getting thin, Gronk not being there, whatever the case may be, whatever excuse that you can make for the offense, it wouldn't be enough uh, to excuse for what the defense has done this year. And just the fact that it's probably one of Belichick's, at least up to this point, one of his like best jobs, uh, coaching jobs in general, because um, he's a obviously defensive specialist. And for him to be able to do what he's doing uh, in this era of the NFL, um, where ultimately the rules are geared towards the quarterback, the offenses, and it's just, again, it's, it's absurd. It's really absurd. And I don't think any other team, you know, really outside of maybe one or two coaches, I think is capable of doing, you know, a coaching job like this on the defensive side. But, yeah, so Patriots thoughts. Uh, Ryan uh, or anyone else, do we have any closing Patriots thoughts before we move on to, you know, maybe the slate going forward next week? We got a few good games on the slate, a lot of uh, implications. Uh, so Good win. That's about it. I don't think we covered our tracks yeah. pretty well. Good win. They're in the middle of the gauntlet now. Hopefully they can come out of it still with only one loss. But... We'll see because, again, the Ravens, they don't look like they're slowing down um, at all. And, yeah, next week they play the red-hot San Francisco 49ers, Zach's San Francisco 49ers, who have been very impressive as well. I mean, just what a season they're having. Jimmy G coming into his own, uh, making his way into the MVP argument in my mind. Just I think that game could be best game of the year. That Niners defense going up, the high-octane Baltimore Ravens offense, and Lamar Jackson, that's that's just going to be fun to watch. Did I you just say Jimmy G for MVP? I said he's working his way into the conversation for MVP, yeah. Yikes. No. I mean, I let's, let's, let's stop the conversation right there so we can address that blasphemy, okay? Yeah. Jimmy G's nowhere near the MVP conversation. Uh, nowhere I, I, near? That's, that's cap. Nowhere near. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Nowhere near. He's probably in the top eight. But the real conversation is... Is AD Lam- really near, though? Yes. I mean, the real conversation is just Lamar Jackson. That's, that's it. Uh, Russell Wilson. It, nah. It, he, he, Russell Wilson's it, having a really good year. He, he is. is, but it's not... At, after what he just did in Philly, you can't do that. If the Ravens lose it, a couple it, games and the Seahawks keep winning, you'll have... Wilson will overtake Lamar Jackson. I, I think the other thing is, I think Lamar is doing so well that it, it just feels like Jimmy G is nowhere close to Lamar. And well, that's yeah. why I say he's not close because the conversation revolves around Lamar and Jimmy G is nowhere near on Lamar's level. Right? I'll tell you this. He'll be a finalist. How, say, many, how many finalists no. are there? I don't know. Five. If, there if there's like eight five, finalists. Eight? 
I smell yeah, a board yeah, bet. Yeah, I smell yeah, a board yeah. bet. So, I, oh, I, I'll make the bet. I don't care. He's he's not going to be a finalist. Who are who are the top four MVP candidates right now? It's Lamar, Russell Lamar. Wilson, CMC, and probably Michael Thomas. And yeah, exactly. They probably still put Mahomes in the conversation too. He's number five. There, I, there are so many people I would think would probably be in the MVP conversation over him. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I mean, if they keep if they keep winning and they win out, though, like you know, he had a pretty slow start. Like, that, it, it, this this is the thing with the MVP discussion that always happens in the NBA. Are we rewarding somebody for being a part of a good team, or are we rewarding people who are actually playing the best? Well, it's always you got to be on a winning team. That that's just kind of a requirement. Fair, and I mean. Lamar's on a nine and two team, and Jimmy G's on a ten and one team. So I mean, like it's a one game difference. And I know, I know you, I know you think Lamar obviously deserves over Jimmy G. I just think like just because he's ten and on a ten and one team doesn't mean he should be in the conversation. I mean, most valuable of their team, it should be Christian McCaffrey though, if yeah. they're actually going by that. Yeah, I, Without, I, I have no problem with that. A quarterback is always going to win that award. Yeah, for yeah. the most part. For but, the most part. But I, I agree with that. Most valuable should be how it affects how the player actually affects their team. Who affects their team the most? Right. Then like, like, I would say Lamar and CMC are neck and neck. Then yeah, and I'm I'm a big proponent of if you were to take that person off the team, how much who like which situation would it be the biggest difference? Like if you're comparing two guys and if you took them off their prospective teams, which which team is going to be worse off? without that player. I, I, that's how I view it. I know everybody's got different opinions mm-hmm. on it, but that's how I view it because I'm, think, I'm thinking most valuable, not just, oh, he's on a great team. He had a good year. And that's what Jimmy G says. He's on a great team. He's had a good year. But there are lots of other guys playing better than him at all positions. Right. Uh, and just go to your point there. I think if you take if you take Lamar off that team and you put uh, they got RG3, yeah, they're probably still... I six wins? Know. Yeah, maybe it's six and most. Nine and two. I mean, nine and two. Six and RG3 five, came in. Six and five. Seven and four, maybe. Yeah. He I mean, came, the, like, Mark Ingram has been that good in the running game. They have. That's true. But, R- that good, but so. RG3 came into the game and threw a pick on his like, first throw. Like, right, but you got to go, 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 go by who they play, right? They played the Bengals twice. That's two wins if you start RG3. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yep. They win that Rams game last night if RG3 starts. Yeah. The Rams are awful. I mean, that's three. You just go through the schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Find some games they win. Right, but if you take Christian McCaffrey out of that team, what do they have? Maybe one win? Eh, I don't think that. I think if you take Russell Wilson off the Seahawks, they have four wins. At most. That's why I would still. like I, I Lamar that. Jackson is the, the MVP frontrunner because people are a prisoner of the moment. He's putting up all these unbelievable stats, and he yeah. deserves to be the frontrunner right now because that's how people vote on the award. But Russell Wilson is more valuable to the Seahawks than Lamar Jackson is to the Ravens. Yep, I agree. In the mo- like in the moment right now, close. For like if we're talking about the future, like that's a different conversation. It's almost we're just talking hairs. about this year's MVP. It, it really is splitting yeah. hairs, and that's yeah. the problem with it. But going back to this game, like who do you guys see winning this game? The Ravens and 49ers. Um, Ravens. I, I think the 49ers cover the spread, which is five and a half. I think it comes down to a field goal at the end. They, the teams are too good. I don't. I don't want. I know that people get angry about this, but I really think. The one o'clock start is gonna hurt. Oh, the 49ers oh my god! It, that's not no. a thing. That hurt. is no, a it's thing. Not. Oh, oh, then it's not. Kid. Can no. we ban you from saying this? Then you on know the what? Air? You know where it didn't affect it. Then your Raiders getting blown out by the Jets. 
Yeah, that happened. How'd that taste? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Ryan you, Ryan, you got any thoughts on that game? Yeah, that was, uh, that was tough seeing uh, such a good team get undressed and just embarrassed by a quarterback that sees ghosts on a daily basis. It's tough. He also, he also undressed the, the Cowboys, who are a very good team, too. So mm-hmm. The Raiders stink. The Raiders don't stink. Raiders stink. Raiders, Raiders stink. stink. They stink. Dan, are you Team Raiders or Team Raiders stink? Uh, he was Team Raiders. I was Team Raiders, but you're changing Derek Carr getting benched is a tough scene. Garbage. They are garbage. You really hate to see that. I'm a Gruden guy, stop. though, so I'm, I'm sticking with my Raiders. Yep. Big Gruden guy. They're garbage. Josh Jacobs is the only good part uh, About the Niners and um, Ravens game, though, I just don't see the Ravens losing this game. <laughs> I think they're they're beyond hot, and so is Lamar Jackson. I just I see it. Train keeps rolling. Uh, but not, so is the 49ers defense. That's true. Th- this is true. This is very true. I like the Niners in this one, man. Defense. No. I, I've, been, I've been judging them all year because I'm like, oh, their offense isn't good enough to keep up with their defense. What they did to Green Bay was just um, unbelievable. I'm in. I'm in. Green Bay is, is fraudulent. I, is Aaron Rodgers falling off a cliff? Ooh. Yes. Yes, Max? he has. Is wow. he Max? Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Dan jumped quick on that. Aaron Rodgers is overrated, okay? I mean, how many times has this guy either missed the playoffs, been one and done? He, guy hasn't sniffed a Super Bowl since 2010. It's been nine years. And... Ultimately, yeah, he's a good regular season quarterback when he doesn't break his collarbone. And, you know, if, if he doesn't do that, yeah, he's going to put up good numbers. One of the most talented passers in the history of the league. But he just, he falls short. He falls short. What, Nick? What do you want? <laughs> uh, I just would like to blame Marguise for drafting him, and that's probably why he's been so bad this year. <laughs> that's actually probably very accurate. Let me, that's very accurate. Let me tell you so. what the problem with Aaron Rodgers is. This guy's been doing it for a while. The only problem is now he's 35, so his body does can't do as much as he could when he was younger. He always chases the home run. He And this is why the national media, people love him, because he's like, Aaron Rodgers made that throw, and no one else could ever make that throw ever. And he makes that one in every you know six or seven throws he does, where they're like, Tom Brady, all he does is check down. Well, Tom Brady takes what's given to him. Aaron Rodgers a lot of times chases the home run so much that he doesn't take the dump off for eight yards because he's chasing that incredible bomb for 50 yards. And because he's 35 now and not 30 anymore, his body can't do as much outside the pocket as he could when he was younger. And he's that's coming to him because he's always been flashy. He's always been more reliant on his own skills than he is on what the defense gives him. And that's why Brady... Is like a fine wine. He's just continued to get better with all these ages because he takes exactly what the defense gives him and carves him up. And Rodgers just doesn't play that way. He goes for the home run on every single play, and he's finally getting to an age where he just can't do that anymore because his body won't let him. Yeah, he's a more polished, like, in a way, the way I'm trying to frame this, he's almost like a more polished Brett Favre. That was nice, Queen. Um, Brett Favre in a way that, like, he doesn't know how to throw the ball away. He just runs around he's he has great pocket presence but yeah like you said Jonathan he goes for the home run ball too much I don't know how many you know Hail Marys that we've seen over the years that you know at the end of like the first half or whatever that just get blown way out of proportion he's a great passer great quarterback uh I would say he's one of the best to do it but when it comes down in the clutch guy doesn't have it like he just doesn't and if Brady had the kind of night that he had 
against the um, the freaking Niners. Uh, no, I mean 100 yards. Ultimately, that first half, I think he was what nine of nine of like 23, 33. I believe yeah, it was. It was, bad. it was really bad. He finished with like a 60 percent completion percentage. Not terrible, but only 100 yards, one TD. He looked terrible in the first half. Uh, I don't know. I'm just I'm not a Rodgers guy. Never been. And yeah, I just I'm out. I'm out on Rodgers. Jonathan, that was a very well said. Thank you. Your yeah. whole thing there, and couldn't agree. Rodgers pro- is probably the most gifted passer the NFL's ever seen. Pure skill, like the skills that he possesses, and now we're seeing that kind of stuff with Mahomes a little bit. What he did last year, but the mental part of the game that Brady has, like you said, is just far and away way more important than the tangible skills that um, Rodgers has had. And that's why Brady has six and Rodgers has one. And coaching a big factor in that, too. Yeah. It's also but- not the first time they've laid an egg, too. I, I, I know, I, I'm not sure if you guys mentioned it, but they've laid an egg against the Chargers a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, yep. too. So this might be a thing where... Yeah, they can beat some good teams. They've got like five wins against winning record teams with winning records. But if you're prone to laying eggs like this, I mean, how how far can you go come the playoffs? Sounds to me like they so just don't I, like I kind that. of agree with you guys are saying. They don't like that coast. They definitely don't like that coast. Can we can we change the topic now? This one's done. That's the mute Vikings. Uh, <laughs> can we mute him? <laughs> Yo, mute his mic, Dan. <laughs> I got Dad, you. Please. Oh, but the big news of the week. The Red Rockets back. Andy Dalton back to starting. Ryan Finley, see ya. That guy stinks. He's Thank so God. Mike, he stinks. <laughs> He's so bad. The Bengals wide receivers back to fantasy relevance. AJ Queen? I don't uh, think he's going to play. I don't think so either. Tyler Boyd? Unfortunately. Tyler Boyd back. Auden Tate, possibly back. Auden Tate. Joe Mixon, dead again. Tyler Eifert? Still Joe Mixon was getting somehow. twice as much work with Ryan Finley as he was with Andy Dalton. Joe Mixon, we'll see you. Unrelated note, Ryan trying to dump off Joe Mixon to me in our fantasy league. Oh, no, sir. That's was scummy. Not having any that is that. scummy, Ryan. Just saying. Nah. Yeah. What was he asking for in return? He wanted, uh, so, he, Ryan, you wanted uh, Jalen Samuels, you wanted Bell, I believe, and you wanted, uh, who was the last person Your quarterback, you right? Jimmy G? No, uh, you, you were trying to you were trying to give me Allen. Oh, you wanted Baker? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was Baker. Yeah, Yuck. no, no, did not want that oh, trade. Don't give up Baker. Browns have right. a light schedule coming down the end. Browns Josh are Allen back. has a terrible schedule. It's schedule season right now. It is schedule season. Speaking of the good and bad schedule, I think that's a good segue to our fantasy love and hate. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think we usually go mortal locks first, but we can go fantasy love and hate first if we want. Yeah, Ryan, okay. Ryan, it's our show. Ryan, kick us off. Fantasy love. Who do you like? All right. I, I can do that. Uh, my fantasy love this week is Chris Conley, the Jaguars wide receiver. He's been targeted at least seven times in his last five games, and he scored double digits in PPR in three of those. Uh, but he's got, And he's going up against the most fantasy-friendly team for wide receivers in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he should be able to have a good game. Uh, he's only owned in 18% of the ESPN league, so uh, I'm thinking if you need a flex, Chris Conley is a pretty safe bet. Love, love that. It. Who's got next? Go ahead, Dan. So, my fantasy love, I don't really have a ton of love uh, this week. Jeez. But what I am going to go back to is 
what I had two weeks ago because I feel like, you know, when, when you know you hit on something and you know it's going to hit again, you might as well just ride with it. Jets D, <laughs> fantasy love. Hey, let's go. Back. They're going up against the freaking Cincinnati Bengals Sunday night, 1 p.m. start. Uh, they're on the road, but come on. Uh, Jets D in uh, ESPN leagues, they're ranked fifth. Guess what? They're rostered in only 23% of the leagues. They're the fifth-ranked D, all right? Jets D is back, and they're going to roll right through Cincy. Uh, they're on to Cincinnati. Bill Belichick once said, I do believe, on to Cincinnati. It just hammered the Jets D. Unbelievable. They put up 17 points last week. If you don't start them this week, a.k.a. me, I'm going to yell at you. So you better start them. <laughs> So Jesty. I'm, I'm going to hop in here because mine is kind of uh, related to Dan's. My fantasy love for this week is another New York Jet. I'm talking about Sam Darnold. Oh, baby. With that matchup that you just mentioned against the Bengals, he's coming off two fantastic games, had a rushing touchdown what? in his last game. He's uh, It's two games in a row. He's uh, run an option play and kept it in an attempt to score. We love to see rushing touchdowns for our quarterbacks in fantasy. So, I mean, you got to roll with this one this week. And especially when I tell you who my fantasy hate is, you're going to understand why I'm so high on Sam Darnold this week also. Uh, but, I mean, even the week after, the Jets play the Dolphins. So, I mean, these are two prime matchups. If you're uh, especially going into the playoffs, if you're having QB troubles, you can pick up Sam Darnold. I don't think he's that owned in leagues right now. Uh, I think the official number is uh, 18%, 19% ESPN leagues. So, I mean, if you need some help, pick him up, play him. Uh, I'll go with another quarterback here. Um, do you guys know? I'll ask you a question first. You okay. know the only two quarterbacks who have averaged 18.5 points over a five-week stretch this season? I know, but I'm not going to say it because I know who you're picking. Okay. Well, other people, do you know uh, each of these two quarterbacks? Uh, probably Lam- Kyler Murray? Nope. Lamar and Josh Lamar Allen. is one. And Josh Allen. Josh Allen is not the other. Nope. He's a former oh. starter. Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill. Oh, Hammer man. the Titans. Hammer the Titans. This dude, 4-1, and one, has averaged at least 18.5 points, had a huge week last week, two rushing touchdowns. He's QB3 since week seven. And this dude's only owned in 15% of leagues. Go pick up Tannehill, start him. Go Titans. <laughs> All right. Uh, my fantasy love is I'm trying to – this is the classic. I'm trying to – Speak my own player into more fantasy relevance. Love that play. I'm going with I. I'm. This is a tough one, but I still love this matchup. Spit it's, it out. It's so hard. <laughs> Chicago Bears running back David Montgomery. <laughs> they got the early game on Thursday, so they Yikes. got the Detroit is 31st this season against the run fantasy wise. So they're getting lit up week in and week out by opposing running backs. You have a short week, which says to me that one, you don't have enough time to you know call up something you don't have time to game plan specifically for you know a team's weakness you just gotta stick to what you got and the bears will see you know lions bad against the run so let's run the ball because we have mr bishke as our quarterback too which also hurts so i think the short week helps david montgomery's value because teams are just gonna they don't have enough time to game plan and try to scheme up something interesting they're just gonna go with what works on paper, and that's the run game against the Lions, so that's why I got Dave Montgomery. This sounds like a Tariq Cohen rushing for 300 yards game. No, he doesn't. No. You watch. 300 yards? Okay, I'm exaggerating the yards, but watch Tariq Cohen go off. 
right. You guys want to do a little board bet? Dave Montgomery versus Tariq Cohen? <laughs> oh, no. I'm just oh. I'm just saying with his luck, I'm definitely not taking that bet. <laughs> Are we doing rushing yards or fantasy points? I mean, I'm, I don't want it. It was oh, oh, no, yeah. I was, just, I was just messing with you. I'm definitely right. not taking that bet. Ryan, you got a mortal, or, uh, fantasy hate for us? Fantasy Ooh. hate, baby. I do. His first name's also Chris. I hate Chris Carson this week. Uh, coming off a season low, 26 rushing yards. Penny season. Fumbled four times in the last three games. And to make matters worse, Rashad Penny, his backup, out-touched him last week 14-12 to 12, and out-gained him by 72 freaking yards, including over 100 more rushing yards. Uh, I would expect that trend to continue. Pete Carroll probably will keep trying to ride the hot hand. And considering they're going up against the Vikings, who are the sixth-ranked rush defense in the league, I don't like Chris Carson this week. That's not a great play. Okay. So mine is uh, not for this coming week. It's more just a fantasy hate. Um, In reaction, Jason Garrett, uh, you're my fantasy hate. Um, If I I may have another one before we wrap up the segment, but Jason Garrett, simply, um, I don't know what you think you're doing Uh, going up against the Patriots. I know it's, you know, you want to run Zeke a bit. You want to get your whole offense involved, but two targets, two targets for Amari Cooper. I'm not asking for uh, a career game from him or anything. I'm asking for more than two targets. I know Stephon Gilmore walked him down, but come on. Dak likes to get his guys uh, chances to make plays. Last time he had only two targets. You lost to the freaking Jets, okay? So how about you get him some more looks? I'm not asking for 10. I'm asking for, you know, his usual workload, five to eight. Something along those those lines, please. Jason Garrett, give him a fantasy hate. You putting that more on Garrett than Dak? I just, I, I have more faith in, in Dak in his overall decision-making than, say, like the play calling, I blame I, – I put that on Garrett uh, 100% because I don't feel I, – I don't know. I, I don't feel like he's a guy that after the first half probably saw what was going on and was like, oh, hey, let's change something up. Let's try to make an adjustment. No, I, I don't think he that even remotely crossed his mind. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't trust Garrett. I trust Dak a lot more um, that it wasn't his fault. I blame that on, on Garrett. All right, um, I guess I'll hop in next. Uh, I have two fantasy hates this week. Uh, one makes sense, one doesn't. Well, to me, to me it does, <laughs> okay, but it, it, in the regards of fantasy, it doesn't. Uh, my first is uh, I'll, I have to remind you of my fantasy love, which is Sam Darnold, who I also picked up for my team this week. Uh, my fantasy hate because of that is Deshaun Watson uh, going up against the Patriots, who are the best team defensively against quarterbacks in fantasy. And uh, he's just on a very bad trend right now. His O-line is trash. He gets sacked all the time because he runs around the pocket and doesn't throw the ball away. Uh, it's bad news. It's a bad news situation for Deshaun Watson uh, for going into the going into this week's game against the Patriots. My other fantasy hate is the Popeye's chicken sandwich. <laughs> not better than Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. Big if true. And I, I don't. I'm not even going to explain myself. It's just facts. So that's that's my spiel. Ritu pecked. It's fact. All right, my uh, fantasy hate this week, I got a running back. This kind of goes off of Ryan's uh, Chris Calmly. So my fantasy hate this week is Leonard Fournette. Dude just is coming off a monster game against the Titans, 36.9 fantasy points in a PPR league. He had nine catches, ran for 97 yards and two touchdowns. But Tampa Bay is third against the rush this year. 
And Fournette has five or more catches in his last four games. I think both of these are due for regression. I don't think you're, you know, Fournette has been absolutely eating um, this year, but I think you're not seeing a running back one stats coming out of him this uh, this week, which is going to be tough. He's got a tough matchup. I think the Jaguars are going to throw the ball a lot, but Fournette, He's had a lot of catches, as I mentioned, but I just don't think he's viable to sustain that in the passing game. So don't expect uh, RB1 numbers from Leonard Fournette this week. you still got to start him, obviously, but don't get your hopes up. Don't like that matchup against I, Tampa. I really hated that one. I, I have, really disagreed with that fantasy hate. I also How have, much do you think he's going to go off for then? It's, I, I, I'm not saying that like he's going to have like 40 points again. But like, oh, look at him walk it back. <laughs> Me? Are you kidding? I'm not saying he's gonna have 40 points again, but you can't out call fantasy hate on a guy when I like. You, what? Is, what would you think he's gonna get this week? I think he could get like up to like 15, 20 points. No, no. I I have it less. I would put a RB one number at 15, so less than 15, definitely. No, no, I agree. I have one more fantasy hate. Um, cranberry sauce. I don't believe. <laughs> Cranberry no, sauce. This is good. This is for Thanksgiving. Exactly. I, is, I I stand this. I don't believe in cranberry sauce. I'm out on the hype. On I've never sauce. understood even just like the look of it. it. Like, I'm not saying that people can't enjoy it, but I don't understand it. It's like I don't even know how you go about utilizing cranberry sauce. Like, what are you supposed to put it on? Do people just eat it straight up? Like, yes. yes. It's ugh. I just don't. You eat I don't. It straight up. I don't understand. Or you put it on a sandwich. That. That put in the liking, trash. That taste. It just, I don't get it. I, I I don't hate cranberry sauce. I'm not a huge fan. <laughs> but my fan, one of my fantasy hates is people. I've been seeing a lot of people on Twitter saying that they're do, not doing turkey at Thanksgiving. Oh, that is. And they just do like ribs or whatever they want. I'm like, they don't like turkey. I'm like, That's how do you not like horrible. turkey? Horrible. It's just a, it's so great. I don't know. It's I mean, Thanksgiving. It's turkey. probably never had a good turkey. I like, like the idea of ribs, but I mean, like, how do you not like turkey? How do you not do turkey at Thanksgiving? Right. That's just, you just get ribs. Right, just but get back ribs to football. Okay, okay. Back to football. How to get that my off my fantasy chest. hate. But this is important. Is Mark Andrews? Oh, he's been his target share has been fine, but they're not throwing the ball as much in the Ravens' offense because they've been running the ball so effectively. Look, you're probably still having to start Mark Andrews no matter what. I mean, dude's like the fourth tight end fourth ranked tight end in fantasy and he still gets still getting end zone looks and Lamar's going to move the ball but against the number one ranked uh defense against tight end San Francisco is not a great look this week I love it I love it I think we uh covered our bases there fantasy wise pretty good um a lot of love and a lot of hate and we can segue on to mortal locks of the week my personal favorite segment of every week's show um, before we just get in, if we could get the boys' records out there. I don't know if you guys have enough off the top of your head. I, I am four and six after fading Ryan's uh, mortal locks for the past two weeks. I'm close to five hundred. I'm gonna get there. I know it. Zach, what are you? I believe I'm four and five. I believe that's right, Nick. I am uh, one and zero. Oh. I've only made one mortal lock. <laughs> Bless. Oh, uh, cannot stop. My that. my one win was on the the Titans one. covering against. Um, <laughs> I believe the Chargers. I believe it was that Titans Chargers game way back a few. Yeah, yeah, you you were guest that, caller. That was yeah, that was my call in bet. Uh, so I'm one to know, staying undefeated. Oh, it was your Mason Ramsey lock. Yes, the Mason Ramsey lock. <laughs> that that was it a did great not lock. fail. Hammer those Titans, baby. That's what I'm saying. 
Um, I believe I'm six and four. That can, sounds about right. Can we right. get a fact check on that so you're not trying to sleaze your way? And into I know I have the best record Ryan? on the program. So uh, I'm two and six. The random number generator is zero oh and two. You're two and eight. Yeah, you're two and eight. <laughs> <laughs> what That's do you mean? Not true. You're you are garbage. True. You are garbage. The, the picks you've announced on this show are two and eight. Facts. He's going to make a good okay, pick this I week. I have a feeling. That. I can live with that. All right. Let's, who's kicking this off? All right, Ryan, what do you got this week for the number generator? So the number generator is going with Tennessee over Indy. So give oh, me the points plus two and a half. Love that pick. So the we love that pick. generator finally looking like it might have a chance after two sloppy picks. All right, so you took Tennessee plus two and a half on the road to the Colts. Um, my mortal lock is the Colts minus two and a half. Uh, I think that pick is really good. Um, you know, Yikes. For, for personal reasons. Um, I like that pick, Dan. So hoping to go three and zero in the last three weeks. Uh, trying to get to five hundred here. I'm at four and six. Uh, bring me one step closer, please. I love this pick. Hammer this pick. Oh my God. <laughs> Jeez. Alrighty. This team's dummy dared before. Oh. The Jets travel to Cincinnati. Cincinnati has not won a game all year. They haven't even covered the spread at home all year. The Jets come in winning three straight, 34 points in each of those wins. Bengals get Andy Dalton back, but won't be able to keep up with Sam Dart on the Jets. Hammer the Jets, minus three and a half. Boom. Wow. Do you remember what happened last time you picked a team to cover against a winless team? Yep. (laughs) I've just received a text message from my father, and he says, and I quote, I'm making a living taking the opposite of Ryan's mortal locks. Yes, <laughs> yes. You'd be eight and two. You can buy yes. Nick a new car with that. Yeah. Buy a second we love, buy a vacation No, house. you not a new car. You could buy me a car with that. We love fading Ryan's picks. Well, he told the last one. So. No, that's you not true. You fade the number generator. Nope. We fade the picks announced. you announce on this show. Yep. We love that. Okay. Fine. My mortal lock this week. Is a team that I absolutely stand, and I know we have some stands in the studio for this team. When I saw this line, I knew it was a juicy one, and I couldn't resist. Seahawks, Hawks, Vikings, Hawks, Hawks, minus three and a half for the Seattle Seahawks at home against the bums from Minnesota. Bums. Somehow they're eight and three. Take this pick. Monday night, I believe. Yep. I believe it's Monday night football in Seattle. Twelfth man. Hawks, Hawks, Hawks. Take them. Get rich. Love that pick. I love my Hawks, but I don't like that pick. I don't either. Vikings <laughs> coming off a bye. Definitely I, don't like it. I like the Vikings. No, no, I still like the Seahawks, but they don't win games by like more than like three points. Yeah, so. I, I still like they the Seahawks to win, but I don't think they cover the three and a half. Yeah, I'd buy down that half point. Yeah, <laughs> teaser. Play a little teaser. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My fantasy, um, my moral lock this week is I'm trying not to be a homer here, but <laughs> everyone else kind of took some good picks, and I didn't want to go on the back of someone else. So I'm going Pats, minus 2.5 at Houston. All they got to do is win this game by a field goal, and I think that's pretty pretty clear in my mind that they will. Houston is not that good. I mean, they're solid, but they almost lost to Indy last week. They got blown up by Baltimore. They're just inconsistent. And I think the game will be close, but all I need to do is have the Patriots win by a field goal, and I think that's pretty much a certainty. That was so, the most boring pick I've ever heard. Okay, like, sorry. <laughs> like, 
Uh, no, I mean, the most boring pick was your dad taking the Pats straight up when they were, like, 11-point favorites. Oh, that's tough. That actually happened. I didn't. It was, didn't hey, he that. still hit it. Pretty sure he still hit that pick. <laughs> mm. You know what doesn't <laughs> hit any of your picks anymore? Count. <laughs> that still counts. Count. Still counts. That's just absurd. Respect. Would be, be tough to be using a random number generator to make your picks now, huh? <laughs> Can't imagine being that kind of person. Couldn't imagine fading it either. Oof. Um, so that's that's it for Mortal Locks and uh, Fantasy Love. Do we have anything else before we uh, hit the break? Oh, uh, be on the lookout for Big Cats Can't Lose Parlay. One last week. It never loses. Two and nine. Literally. Mm. Uh, we should do our power rankings. The power we rankings. We should do the power rankings. Kick us off, Ryan. <laughs> Real quick. All right. So I'll start five to one per usual. I got the Saints at five. I'm dropping a spot with a close call against Carolina. I got San Fran at four. I'm putting them back in. I'm sure you guys are thrilled to hear that. Uh, and then I'm keeping the top three the same. New England at three, Seattle two, Baltimore one. I, I didn't see anything last week that made me want to uh, switch anything up in the top three. Okay. Uh, so for me, yeah, I haven't really changed a whole lot here. But uh, n- number five, uh, Seahawks, um, again, I think if their defense can, you know, figure things out with Jadavion Clowney, hopefully he gets healthy. Um, I think the Seahawks are legit contenders. Um, number four, the Saints. Um, again, I, I think Drew Brees, it really comes down to him making plays and uh, being able to you know, be clutch down the stretch. Uh, I think he's, for the most part, been that so far when he's been healthy this year. Um, and I think the Saints are crazy talented. So I like them at uh, number four. Number three, got the Patriots there. Um, again, I love what I saw um, for the most part from the defense against the Cowboys. And again, like Ryan said earlier, didn't learn a whole uh, heck of a lot in that game. But again, the offense starting to figure things out with the young receivers. I like that going forward. Number two, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, really can't complain about that defense. It's ridiculously good. Jimmy G, again, uh, I'll say this again, he needs to just clean up some of the uh, mistakes he makes. You know, as a, as a young quarterback, you're, you're going to make those mistakes for sure. But I think if he cleans that up a little bit, I think the 49ers, again, can make a legit run in the NFC. And I like the, them at number two. The Ravens, obvious clear-cut number one. What they've been doing, absolutely absurd. Lamar Jackson, um, my MVP, obviously, he's just been ridiculous, so... It's my top five. Yeah, uh, five, I got the Saints. Like Ryan said, close, close call there. Joey Sly missing a 28-yard field goal for Ooh. the Panthers. That was a tough miss. Uh, Pats, I got them back in at number four. Good win. I, I think I learned a little more um, than I'd say than what you guys thought this week. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't look good at all on defense against Lamar and the Ravens, and they look better against Wentz, but, I mean, Wentz has been terrible this year, so I wanted to see what they could really do against Dak and another really good offense, and they showed up. Uh, I'll bet in bad weather. I uh, got the Seahawks at three. Russell Wilson, Jonathan's MVP guy, uh, continues to do things, just but it wasn't that impressive this week against a bad Philly defense. Uh, then I got 49ers at two. That defense, man. Yeah. They're just ridiculous, and... This game this week between them and the Ravens, and who's my number one team, man, that's going to be fun. 
Well, uh, my power rankings, obviously, nobody's ever seen. Um, but interestingly enough, they line up pretty pretty identical to Dan's. Oh, word. So we got, uh, I believe, Saints, then Seahawks, uh, and then the Pats. And the only difference is I have the 49ers at one, the Ravens at two. That's absurd. Explain. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm buying the whole defense wins championships mentality. And I think if there's a team that can figure out Lamar, it has to be the 49ers. And I think I think they'll give them the the best run for their money, and I I do think the 49ers will win this game. I think they will figure him out at, at least enough. I'm not saying that he's going to have an awful game. He's going to have a good game, but I think they're going to figure him enough. And I don't buy the Ravens defense being able to stop the the rushing game of the 49ers. All right, uh, my power rankings didn't change from last week, and last week's didn't change from the week before. So I'm going three straight weeks with the exact same power five. You got New Orleans at five. As we mentioned before, I got uh, San Francisco at number four. I got Seattle at three, the Pats at two, and then obviously the Ravens at one. They are literally, they look unstoppable. Um, I think they're going to blow out San Francisco this week, honestly, oh, San Francisco's frauds. So. You're, just, oh, wow. you're just a ball of, you just a ball of enthusiasm, aren't you? <laughs> the same picks every Oh, we got some Felger there. <laughs> but they had no, none of these teams have changed anything, so i got to say the same. They haven't shown me anything that makes them move up or down in the rankings. It was absolutely awful. Well, those are our power rankings, mortal locks, and fantasy love and hate. Uh, we're going to take a quick break before we come back with the rest of our segments. Uh, you are listening to the Mouth and Off Sports Show, presented by WBIM 91.5 FM. Have you been thinking about the gifts you will be getting for the holidays? Why not adopt yourself the perfect gift? Even better, how about a gift that your whole family will enjoy? Northeast Animal Shelter has big dogs like rescued greyhounds, small dogs for your lap, lovable puppies, brown dogs with floppy ears, white dogs with black spots, mutts, pure breeds, and even a few golden retrievers. But they will all have one thing in common. They want to be adopted and loved by you. Northeast Animal Shelter also has a dozen of adult cats and adorable kittens. Adopting one of these rescued pets is truly a gift of love, and it is sure to bring your entire family a loving companion for years to come. For more information, call 978-745-9888. This public service announcement has been brought to you by the Northeast Animal Shelter and 91.5 WBIM. Welcome back to the Mouth and Off Sports Show. We got the second half here with some segments on the college football playoff rankings, uh, the Bruins and Celtics updates as well. Zach, let's kick it off with college football. Oof, thanks. We got me all in my feels talking about puppies. And <laughs> I'm going to adopt a puppy. You know, get a puppy. Show puppy. <laughs> so last week in the college football playoff rankings, we had the same top four as the previous week with LSU, Ohio State. Clemson and Georgia in your top four, followed by Alabama, Oregon, Utah, Penn State, Oklahoma, and Minnesota to round out the top ten. Uh, biggest game of the weekend was hyped up between number two, Ohio State, and number eight, Penn State. 
uh, with Ohio, Ohio State being undefeated and Penn State with that one loss to Minnesota. Uh, Ohio State looked like they were just going to run away with it early. They led 14 nothing at halftime. Uh, Penn State started to make it a game in the third quarter when Ohio State really was just started beating themselves. Uh, I mean, they had three fumbles all by their quarterback, uh, Josh Fields, and they ran the ball 61 times to only tw- 22 passes, which is kind of absurd. Uh, but in the end, they got the job done and finished off the uh, Penn State 28-17. to With that win, Ohio State has locked up the Big, Big Ten East and a spot in the conference championship game. Uh, <laughs> biggest loss of the weekend comes from number six, Oregon, losing to unranked Herm Edwards' Arizona State team. Arizona State hadn't led in a game since the middle of October and had lost four straight coming in after starting 5-1. and one. The two teams combined for 20 points in the first three quarters of the game before erupting for 39 points combined in the final frame. That last quarter was crazy. It seemed like every other play was a long touchdown. And if you look at the box score, it's like every two or three minutes there's a score. Uh, Justin Herbert has been a lot of com- has been part of a lot of conversations over the past two three years about Heisman's and number one picks and big arm quarterback out there. But he had just not a great day. I mean, he threw for 304 yards and two TDs, but he also threw two picks. One of the biggest picks came late in the game when uh, they were down three, driving down the field in the fourth quarter, down near the red area, threw a pick, and immediately right after that, Jaden Daniels of Arizona State comes and throws an 81-yard touchdown pass. For He had 408 yards in the day, no picks, and three TDs. It's a great day for uh, Herm Edwards and Arizona State to get a huge win that Pretty much that knocks out Oregon from the conversation of the college football playoff. They'll still make the title game there in their conference, but even if they win a two-loss Pac-12 champion is not going to make it in. Uh, the only other loss by a top 25 team was S- was SMU, who was at number 25, falling to Navy. Uh, now, we've got the next rankings coming out tonight, uh, shortly after we wrap up here on the show. The top five should remain the same. Uh, LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, and Bama should pro- should remain the same. I mean, they didn't do anything to lose their spots. Uh, Utah should probably jump into Oregon's slot at number six, followed by Oklahoma and Minnesota, I would assume. Um, I see Oklahoma, Oregon and Penn State probably falling out of the top ten. It, should, it will be interesting to see how they value uh, Penn State's loss to Ohio State is their second loss of the season, but Ohio State's the number two team in the country. Um, we got Wisconsin, Florida, Penn State, and Michigan, all with two losses that will probably fall into that 9-12 to 12 range. Uh, Wisconsin's the only team left that has a chance to make their conference championship game, so I would assume the committee will value that more and put them at 9. And it also wouldn't surprise me if Michigan jumps Florida and move into the 10th spot. Uh, especially with their big game with Ohio State coming up this weekend. They might want to make a top-10 matchup type of thing. Wisconsin travels to Minnesota this weekend, where the winner of the game will take on Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game. Minnesota still has a chance to make the top four, but they got to win this game, and then they got to beat Ohio State in the championship game. And then if Georgia loses to LSU in the championship game, then... Uh, Minnesota would have a re- real shot of getting in that number four spot. 
Ohio State, Michigan is normally a huge story every year just because the game usually means somebody's going to the conference championship and somebody's probably getting in the college football playoff. Unfortunately, this year, Michigan's got no shot at catching Ohio State because they have two losses. The biggest story is probably Jim Harbaugh's job. And if he's still going to, if he loses again to Ohio State, I could see him very well getting the axe after this season. Oh, my. <laughs> Lost by Ohio State would make things a little bit more dicey for them. But if they still win the Big Ten, they're still shooing to get in with the talent that they have and the way they've been playing all year. They've been blowing out teams left and right. So I still see them, even with a loss, getting in. Then we got some big American conference play this weekend. Cincinnati traveling to Memphis. Cincinnati's locked up their division, but Memphis needs a win this weekend to stay ahead, stay ahead of Navy. Both teams are ranked, uh, I believe, 17 and 18 with Boise State right behind them at 19. These teams, non-Power 5 teams, trying to get a bid to the, one of the New Year's Six Bowls. Top-ranked non-pow- top non-Power 5 team will get a bid. Um, so this is a big game to decide that. Then we got the Iron Bowl this weekend. Alabama going to Auburn. Let's go. Uh, we've had some great moments. You know, the kick six a few years back where Auburn returned the War missed Eagle. field goal. Beautiful. War Eagle, baby. So beautiful. War Eagle, roll tide, whatever. Um, Bama still has a shot to get in the playoff. It's going to be tough with no, no conference championship win. But if Mac Jones can take his team and look good this weekend against us, Auburn team with three losses, but they're still going to be ranked somewhere in the top 15. It should be, it could be enough to get them in. If they need a little bit of chaos to happen, but with Mac Jones, he's looked good, but he hasn't really played anybody yet. We'll find out a lot about this kid this weekend in the Iron Bowl. Last big of the game of the week, we have uh, Bedlam, Mm -hmm. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Supposed to be a huge rivalry. These two schools don't like each other. It's been over 100 years. The first football game in this rivalry started in 1904. With a game being held 113 times, Oklahoma leads 88 to 18. And it's 80, Oklahoma's 88, 18, and 7. That's tough. Tough being Oklahoma State knowing you're going in every week and every year and probably just losing this game. Oklahoma's won four straight and 14 of the last 18. Oklahoma and Baylor have locked up their, their date in the Big 12 championship game. But if Oklahoma wants to make a chant, wants to make a run at the top four, they need to win this game. A loss, and then a Big Twelve, Big Twelve championship, ten, ten and two, wouldn't do anything for them. So we got a lot of big games this weekend. Be a crazy weekend in college football, and it'll tell us a lot going into the top four: who's going to make it and who's frauds. Absolutely. Stay tuned for those uh, college football playoff rankings to come out shortly after the show, as Zach mentioned. And I think it's a perfectly good time to segue on over to the Boston Bruins, who face off against the Montreal Canadiens uh, tonight. Great pronunciation. And thank you. And notably, Tuka Rask will not be in net uh, after uh, dropping their last matchup to the Canadiens 5-4. to four. Uh, Tuca allowing five goals in that game, obviously. Uh, is there a trust issue there with Tuca against Montreal here? Is there? Is it solely because it's Montreal and Tuca's history with them, so they want Halak in there? 
or again, is it just getting Halak, you know, his ninth appearance on the year? Yeah, it's, uh, and it's just keep him rolling. It's that. It's uh, the Bruins, and I don't think any hockey team in that this kind of situation would ever not play their goalie just because of one performance against them. And let's remember that game. That game against the Canadians was a back to back, so they, they that was going to be a tough game regardless for them, and they yeah. were. They were on quite the hot streak, and uh, that was going to come back to earth at some point. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Halak does tonight because he this is a guy who really needs to get his confidence going again uh, because when these two goalies, Halak and Rask, are on fire or they're at least playing well enough to win games, this team is borderline unstoppable with the ability that they have to score goals and uh, what they were doing before was defending so well. I mean... You saw the streak that they went on because of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a team that's going to be tough to beat uh, down the stretch. So tonight's tonight's going to be a good game. They uh, they finish out November with four games. Uh, they got to play the Canadians twice, um, and then they have two games against uh, one against the Senators, one against the Rangers. So they have an opportunity to get some more points on the board here. Uh, Canadians won't be easy. I don't think any game will be really easy. That's how the NHL works. But they have really good and juicy opportunities to pick up some more points at the expense of the Senators and the Rangers. So. Um, Studnicka is making his debut tonight, so that will be awesome to see how he does. He's getting uh, playing time along with Charlie Coyle and Jake DeBrusque on the second line. So he's making his NHL debut in the Bruins' top six for their forwards tonight. That's going to be really fun to see. Um, and Sean Corrali will be moving to the third line, I believe. I don't think he's been playing there. It's usually a fourth-line guy. but um, So I'm really looking forward to see how they do tonight, and uh, I'm really <laughs> looking forward to see how they do going in uh, through our winter break. Yeah, and I mean, they have a comfortable lead in the Atlantic Division right now, too, which is nice. Uh, six points ahead of the Florida Panthers, which is nice, and a good OT win as well uh, with the OT winner coming from Krug mm-hmm. against the Wild. How about the dance? That was... Huh. That, that Sully was awesome. Yeah, that was it? that was pretty awesome. That was great. Not gonna lie, dude, and, but that move that he put on, just going oh, straight oh, through them and then beautiful. five hole. Oh my just god! Skated, Out of a defenseman too. Like right, he just skated the whole like distance of the ice. That was unbelievable. I can't believe nobody like. How do you not step up in that situation in, in overtime as a guy's coming right down? They yeah. just didn't do anything. Um, now you you mentioned the the distance in the Atlantic. Um, it's interesting that the, the distance that you mentioned between the next team, uh, that being the Florida Panthers, is so shocking that yeah. it's the Florida Panthers and not one of the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are both sitting at six, uh, 26 points. I have a cracked screen, sorry. Um, I mean, these are just two teams who have had two tough situations. Vasilevsky does not look like how he used to. He is having a rough go at it. And um, also the Maple Leafs are kind of struck with injuries. Mitch Marner is going to be out for a few more weeks, I believe, if not longer. So, fire Atlantic... Their, fire their coach. That's... They, they did. They did do that. So, I mean, there's... There's a lot of question marks, especially for Toronto, but also in the Atlantic, I mean, Florida and Montreal, not the teams I expected to be competing for the playoff spots um, going forward. And, I mean, the Washington Capitals have just been on fire as, as of late, too. Uh, that would have been a really nice win for the Bruins to have back. Uh, I believe that was a week or two ago. Um, they were up 2-1 for almost the whole entire game, and then they, they just blew it down the end. So, But Bruins, man, I know at the beginning of the year, a lot of people were like, oh, no, they're, uh, you know, they're, they got, they're not going to the, the cup again. And it's like, I mean, you have most of the same guys. 
and they started off the year so well. Yeah. Why can't they? You know what I mean? You know, if they're able to if they're able to get these young guys involved and playing well and get them comfortable, I don't see why they cannot make another run. I, I'd love to see Pasta be able to translate the start that he's had this year into the playoffs, you know, ultimately when they do get there. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, so far so good. Yeah. Twenty goals right now, that's pretty good. And I know he was banged up last playoffs. I mean, you know, everyone is and I know to a was, certain extent, yeah. He was dealing with a lot too, but like he just didn't he never seemed like himself out there last postseason run. And I'm so happy he, you know, just kind of came out uh he just really hit the ground running the this season with his start. Um just goals coming from everywhere. Just the dude is on fire. And I love Pasternak. Uh he's still young too. And I just hope maybe, you know, this kind of start again translates throughout the whole year and he's able to keep that consistent level of play going into the playoffs just so that they don't have to rely, you know, um or lean on the, like their third line uh the way they had to last postseason run. So Yeah. At, at least if he's if he's going, um I think that that opens the doors for, you know, everything else. But if you're you know, if your top lines aren't um actually producing, uh, it just it makes everything just that much harder, exponentially harder yeah. for everyone. I think um, a good sign is that we're 23 games in and he's he's still producing yeah. um, the way that he is. And it's not like when the team started losing, he stopped producing uh, 20 goals in 23 games. So we're yet to yet to be really happy with that at least. Um, an interesting situation. We, I mean, some other teams. When you talk about the Bruins having such heavy scoring um, from their top talent. Uh, another team in the NHL that has an even worse problem is the Edmonton Oilers. And it's a kind of a good but bad problem to have. You talk about Leon Dreisaitl is leading the league in points right now. This is a guy who, like, two years ago was really struggling and really, you know, well, he, he was just struggling to get points. And now for the second year in a row, he's top five in points, and him and Connor McDavid are destroying everybody that they run into. And they lead right now. They're leading the um, the Pacific Division right now. They have, I believe they have 34 points. Uh, but outside of those two guys, they have, have just about nothing. And that's a situation that the Bruins have kind of found themselves in and are hopefully try, obviously trying to avoid um, not being too reliant on uh, Big Nose Brad and uh, Pasternak and, and Bergeron, who's now struggling with a little injury, but he'll be, he'll be fine. Um, Jake DeBrusque. Another guy who we kind of worried about. Um, this is a guy who everyone was hoping would put up maybe 30 goals this season. Uh, and I believe he's at, like, three? Four. Four? He's got four, There's yeah. Three or four. That was my next guess. Eight points. You know, it's tough because he's he's got a lot of talent to him. And it's just, I think it's just the small things, the little kinks in his game that just need to be worked out and get him involved and getting himself good opportunities on that. Um, but Charlie Coyle is another guy who's really fit well on this team. Uh, he's really strong with the puck. He makes good plays. I really miss Marcus Johansson after how well he played during that playoff stretch and late in the season. The chemistry that he built with Charlie Coyle, those two were unstoppable in the playoffs, and they were probably single-handedly the reason that we beat the Columbus Blue Jackets, if we're being honest. Um, but I, I really do miss him in this kind of situation. But we've had a lot of – the Bruins have had a lot of guys uh, step up and uh, take kind of a good role for this team. So, I'm I'm really excited. I mean, I I'm just I'm so I'm as excited as I was last year for this team because I think when they're at their best, they can beat anybody. 
And uh, it's it's a nice feeling, at least to know that the Tampa Bay Lightning are struggling, so they're not this unbeatable force that got swept by Columbus last <laughs> year. But now the Capitals are kind of posing that kind of similar threat with how well they've been playing. Um, but it is what it is. So, uh, moving forward, I think the Panthers are another interesting team that we talked about. Um, Sergey Bobrovsky is another guy that uh, is very talented and having a very bad year. Um, the both of them together. So, uh, we'll have to look to see how they continue to go ahead forward, but. Um, St. Louis is another team that has done really well. Uh, you might see the Blues make it to this cup again. They're leading the their uh, their division, the Central Division, respectively. So, want to see how that goes. But definitely excited to see uh, the Bruins play going forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, anybody got anything else? So you got anything else on the bees? Are we good? To... No, I think Nick covered it good. Yeah, I think Bruins so too. Bruins are, are cooking again. 23 games, three regulation losses. Pretty impressive, if you ask me. I think that's uh, the fewest amount of regulation losses in the league, and, yeah, it is. Love to see that. Go Bees, baby. Beautiful. Yep, go Bees. Uh, So now we can segue on to the Boston Celtics, um, who, again, I'll just start uh, with the whole Kemba Walker scare. I think uh, that's important to touch on, too. Mm-hmm. Um, just to, to start from there, that was, like, I literally, like, got home and walked in the door and saw, like, we literally just saw him on the ground, not moving. Um, good news, it just seems like it's a neck sprain, but essentially what happened, he, like, lost his balance and all of his momentum was was going one way, and he was bent, like, bent over yeah, his head was bent down and his head was bent down and he like just fell right into semi ojale mm-hmm. and man that just that looked so much worse than it actually ended up being it looked so weird it like it, it didn't look like there was a lot of force on it so when they were they were talking when i i heard that he was getting stretched off and they were worried about his spine i was like yeah i was like this okay this is this is one of those weird injuries that like i'm hoping is just a scare and it's like because if something goes wrong in a situation like that with the way it happened, like it's almost like when you tear your ACL via non-contact, like that's when you know you've got a serious like injury. Yeah, and again, I think it was just like his all of his momentum was going that in that direction, and so like his body, his body weight and everything like falling in that direction just kind of I don't know. It must have been just the worst kind of way he could have hit him, and I know he had a stinger too during uh, the FIBA. Um, basketball for team usa over the summer and again you know it's i just hope you know just give them time uh next brain whatever that's no joke just give them some time they fought like heck to get back in that game against the nuggets ended up only losing by like four um but yeah i have i have a lot of confidence um in jalen brown jason tatum marcus smart having a, a great game um against the kings uh i just it's tough. It's tough to like gauge how just how good this team is compared to the rest of the top dogs in the NBA, because again Hayward's out now, and you know with Kemba's injury, Marcus Smart's been a little bit up and down. Obviously, he had a great night last night, but I just I don't know what their ceiling is, and that's like my that's my thing. It's like I they're 
they're great. I think they could ultimately win f- 50 plus games as long as they get healthy. But um, I don't know what their ceiling is, and that's just kind of yeah. Like w- we talked last week about if they needed a trade or not. I think they're good enough to make the NBA Finals. Again, I just don't know if they have the actual talent to to win and get over that hump. I think you have to kind of wait and see until they get healthy to start trying to really figure out what their ceiling is. Also, do you want Marcus Smart being like the closer sometimes? No, never. I there has to be a hierarchy and this was an issue last year with the team obviously, right? Sort of the the hierarchy of who gets the ball when, who's supposed to get uh, you know, X amount of touches, whatever the case may be, but they really don't have that still. And I, that's just something that lurks in the back of my mind that I am kind of concerned about. Like, you know, who who is the guy at the end? You know, in the beginning of the season, uh, Tatum's big shot against uh, the Knicks in the corner. I love that. I mean, if you're going to tell me it's Tatum, I'm all on board for that. But I don't want, like, Marcus Smart, very hit or miss. He's gotten better shooting, but still, at, the, at the end of the game, I don't know if I want no. him taking those shots. It's It's got to be Tatum or Kemba. It's in. I don't even think there should be really a discussion about anybody else. Maybe you could want to say Jalen, but like at the end of the game, who do you really want shooting the ball? I mean, you need your two best shooters shooting the ball. So, yeah, that's my absolutely. But I mean, you have to be encouraged from what Tatum and Brown have at least shown you this year. Mm-hmm. They they're showing you at least thus far that that wasn't a fluke back in uh, the 2017-2018 season when Kyrie. Uh, how to get the screws taken out. Hayward was already done, and they go to the East Conference Finals Game 7. They're starting to really cement that idea of we're, we're legit. Like we, That wasn't a fluke, that run we had. And you know, that, that playoff run you know, really was like the spark. It was the start of you know, what they're doing now, I think. They're finally getting that freedom where they're getting uh, the, you know, the right amount of touches pretty much, their usage rate. Um, is much higher than it was when they had Kyrie and Gordon. So I just think it's very promising at the very least. you got to love what you're seeing from the young guys. Yeah, and I was really impressed. I know that they went 2-3 and three on that road trip they had to the West Coast, but that was probably the best 2-3 and three road trip you can have. I mean, they lost three games by a combined eight points. They were in every game coming down to the wire. The Kings game, I can give them because it was a 12:30 start in Sacramento, and that's just really tough. Um, that's like a weird game like that. Weird things happen. Fine. Come back the next night, a second night back-to-back. We talked about this last week. Beat the Suns, which was really impressive to me. Held them to 85 points when they were a top-10 offense coming in. The defense has has continued to be solid. Then they have the next night against the Clips. You have everyone basically off except Kemba. I mean, except Tatum, and they come down right to the wire. They really should have won that game. They're up seven with 218 left. But that's good good stuff to learn from, right? As I mentioned before, they win all these games against the bad team so they can, afo- they can afford to slip up against a good team because they still have won all these games. Uh, same thing with the Bruins, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then they lose at Denver in a heartbreaker. But as Brad Stevens came out and called them Warriors, he said Warriors. Uh, coming back from you had Kemba go down early in the game, which you, no one knew at the time whether it was bad or not. I mean, he got stretched off. You had to assume the worst, right? That can just suck the life right out of the team, but the team came back strong. 
and fought down to the end. But, of course, the Nuggets made a few more shots than the Celtics did down the stretch. But just really impressive that they've been hanging with the Clippers and the Nuggets in particular, especially the Nuggets, who are uh, an NBA Finals contender, definitely. And you lose. You're already without Hayward. And then you lose You probably, arguably, your best offensive player in Kemba early in the game to a potential horrific injury. And they get down big and they come back. Just really, really impressive with the with the guts of this team. I know they went two and three as I mentioned before on the road trip, but that's about as as impressive of going two and three as you can get. And then they come back last night. I know they only won by one against a tough Kings team that they lost to by one out in Sacramento. But those first games back after a long road trip can sometimes be funny. They can be like trap games on you. And they were without three starters who in Kemba. Hayward and Theus Daniel Tice Theus <laughs> last night so just really impressive again as I mentioned before I got a lot of good things to say about this Celtics team not a lot of bad they just keep winning they got a big game tomorrow against the Kyrie less Nets because Kyrie is a fraud coward he's not showing up he's a coward because he's a loser um, they should win that one and then, you know, just keep this ball rolling going forward. They're playing good ball. Jalen Brown's playing good. He had a really good game last night. Tatum's shot is finally starting to come around. You know, he's not shooting 118 anymore. He's still hovering around 41% from the field, but it's coming around a lot more 9 of 17, 8 of 19 than, the you know, the 6 of 20 you had earlier in the season. So it's good to see that come around. He's up over 20 points per game. Jalen Brown's at 19. So, as you mentioned, Dan, I, th- I think that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are proving that these guys can be the building blocks to a team that you hope can eventually win a championship because, you know, their stats might not be as flashy as some of these other guys like Luka Doncic or Donovan Mitchell. But the thing is, is that at the end of the day, you know what matters? It doesn't matter if you score 30 points, have 10 assists, and and 15 rebounds if you lose the game 109 105 i'd much rather have my tatum and brown that are doing what they're doing if you're getting the wins because at the end of the day that's all that matters and they might not be the flashiest you know they might not put the biggest stats the biggest per like i mentioned before but they just win i mean you saw that when they were young guys in those playoff run without Kyrie, and you see it again now even without kemba you know hayward these guys just win, so that's really encouraging to me. It should be something that you really should be building building along. You already got Brown locked up, and hopefully you have Tatum's bird right, so you assign him to the max hopefully next year. And those are two really good players. Danny Ainge looks like he hit. They're talking about it on the 2-6 to six show today, uh, my way here, uh, about you know whether or not Danny hit on Jalen Brown Jason Tatum. But honestly, to me, it looks like you have when you look at all the other players in those drafts. Maybe they're not... Like, Brown isn't the best best number one player in that draft, but you look at all the people that were drafted around him, he hit on both of them both years. And I, just really good for a Celtics fan going forward because you got these guys. You should have these guys locked up for five, six, seven more years, hopefully at least. And you should be able to get at least one, I would hope, out of these guys. Yeah, and again, with going back to those drafts too, like Brown and Tatum were drafted, specifically Brown, Brown wasn't drafted to be, all right, you're getting 30-plus minutes, like, right off the bat. He had a he had to earn his spot, you know, and it was, uh, I believe it was the 2016-2017 playoffs where he got a little bit of that start, 
And, yeah, like, ultimately they came into their own with their minutes. Tatum was kind of thrusted into that situation with uh, Gordon Hayward going down two years ago. But, yeah, I think you've you've seen a lot of improvement from both of them. Uh, Brown being in his fourth year, Tatum in his third. Uh, I think they're just – you can see that they're not – going to just be like middling role players they have all-star potential if not this year next year like for sure i could definitely see both of them at least being right there for it for an all-star selection and yeah i just the one thing i keep in the back of my mind is i hope you can sign both of them if if you're confident that you can sign both jalen brown and tatum when it comes you know when push comes to shove uh, oh, well, Brown already signed, obviously. Well, you have, Tatum, you have, though. You Tatum. have their bird rights dance. So you can sign You can sign Tatum next year Yeah. Um, for the max. With Brown, like so far, Danny looks okay with Brown. I know Zach would not agree with that, but that's okay. Um, but, again, uh, with Tatum, you know, I, I know they have the, the bird rights and everything. But, yeah, I, I just hope that they're smart about it. And they don't they, – they don't – I don't know, basically screw themselves over because this is the first time in uh, since the 80s since they were able to draft and develop their own guys, and it's looking like it's going to work out for them with both Brown, uh, Smart as well. Smart is having career highs in pretty much every statistical category. Um, so a lot of improvement there. And I think, yeah, if you're able to lock uh, Tatum up after you signed Brown, you know, whenever you can do that when you have the cap capability – do it immediately as soon as you can because again those two guys i think are going to be obviously your your two studs for the next decade yeah i mean jalen brown just i got his stats pulled up here and he's playing more minutes than he has in any other season right now but he's just having career year across the board he's got career high in points uh steals assists rebounds free throw percentage and field goal percentage and I mean, this is just what you need to see if you're a Celtics fan. This is the leap, right, that he's he's yep. taking. He's ascending to stardom. He should be. He's only 23 years old. He should be improving each and every year. And it's nice to see, you know, with that those cancers and Kyrie and Terry and Mook Morris gone and off the team that Jalen Brown is ascending. And so is Tatum. They're, they're each, you know, averaging highs across the board, basically. Yeah. And it's just really good to see because they are still so young relative in NBA years. I'm that... sorry. Did you just say Jalen Brown's getting into stardom? Yes. <laughs> oh, Jalen Brown man. is an all-star caliber player in the NBA. Oh, my God. Right now? Oh, my God. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> Sir. Right now. Yikes. Sir. He's not even close to making an all-star team. Okay. Yes, he is. I wouldn't go that far, but he's he right now he's he's I don't think he's making the All Star team. I didn't say he's gonna make the All Star team, but that's he's playing an All Star. He's playing an All Star. That's what you just said. He's gonna flirt. Don't back with down it. now. He's gonna flirt with it. Yeah, he'll Dan. flirt. I'll you, you I mean, what do you think? You think he's? I mean, I know what Zach thinks about Jalen. He's trash. Brown. He's not trash. He's, he's not a good. really good player. He's not he's a good a, player. He is a really good player, but he's not an All Star caliber player yet. Worth the money they gave him? Not yet. I'm close. He's having a. You are sleeping on how good of a year he's having. I am. Okay. I'm. It's called. I'm not buying anything until I see a larger sample size. Prove to me that you can do it for the entire year, not just a good stretch of games. I he think he's proving yeah. that right now. He's proving it I, all, all season. I'm, I think this I'm, year I'm will not, be Tatum and Kemba. I'm not giving him. Team. I'm not giving him that high of praise yet. Not yet. But you will admit That's he's fair. ascending. 
Yeah. Oh, he's ascending for sure. But he's not an all-star forward. caliber player yet. Next year, I'll say next year. This year, I'll say Kemba and Tatum. That's that's who's going to make the all-star team for like, the seas. Like I think he can be for sure, but I just don't think he is yet. Yeah, you're you're jumping the gun a little bit, a little bit. Okay, maybe a little more. I don't mind bit. the take. I don't mind it. Yeah, I don't think so. I think he's playing legit. I mean, his defense is really good too. Um, I think he's been really good. I think he's been better than Tatum this year overall. Tatum takes more shots, gets more points, so you see that more. I think Jalen Brown's been more efficient. Definitely been more efficient. And not just in, like, shooting. I meant, like, all around. Like, Tatum's been good. But I think I've been more impressed with Brown than I have been with Tatum this year. Sheesh. Well, again, it's a good sign at the very least. You know, they lock him up, and he's performing well. So, at the very least, good signs coming from both Tatum and Brown and Smart. And hopefully Kemba... Again, hopefully Kemba's okay, and that probable, neck issue. Probable gets... to play tomorrow night. So yep. yeah, I just however he's feeling, don't rush him. Just kind of <laughs> just make sure he's good, you know, because we can't we can't have another scare like that. That was crazy. Um, Jonathan, would you uh, care to share your feel good story of the week? First started last week by Zach. Great golf story, feel good story. Uh, Jonathan, what do you have for us? Sure, I got a story here. This is uh, Taunton, Mass. So a local story. Uh, okay. I saw this on the news earlier this week. So there's this uh, ton rampage, rampage as they call it, in 2016, where a guy went basically crazy and started stabbing people in the Taunton Mall. And uh, this man, George Heath, uh, stood up and tried to tackle him. He got stabbed, and uh, he got killed in the attack, but he's credited with saving a bunch of people's lives and making uh, sure the attack wasn't as bad. Only two people ended up dying. He could add a lot more. Um, but his wife, okay, she was really impacted by the her the loss of her husband, and she went through like this PTSD, emotional PTSD, and she lost her job, and then they were gonna foreclose her house because she didn't have any payment on her house, so she was her whole life was collapsing, and uh, so I saw on the news they had set up a GoFundMe page. So the initial goal was twenty five grand because that's the payment they had to give to the insurance company to keep the mortgage to prevent the house from being foreclosed. So right now, as of today, the GoFundMe page is all the way up to ninety three thousand. So not only is she going to be able to keep her house, but she's going to be able to have a lot more money, either live comfortably, not have to worry about finding another job and stuff like that. And she's already announced that she's taking a lot of the excess money from the GoFundMe page and is putting it into a scholarship fund in her late husband's name to help uh, other students and, and whatnot, you know, advance their um, education as well who might not be able to. So just a really good story overall. Um, this is the season of giving. Thanksgiving is a really good holiday. There's nothing political, nothing religious about it. It's just about having good food with the people you love and having a good time, and I can't wait for Thanksgiving on Thursday. Wish everyone a happy and blessed Thanksgiving, and we'll see you here next week. Wow, Jonathan, that was very nice. That's good. Good Love that a lot. Again, uh, listen, next week we'll be live, same time, Tuesday, 5 to 7 p.m. Everybody, have a beautiful, safe Thanksgiving, and, uh, yeah, have a nice week. We'll catch you next time. Is old there, older than the